0: Hello everyone and welcome to the January 14 edition of the WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd Scarin Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. SaveMart Supermarkets Incorporated was unable to convince the California Court of Appeal to compel three injured workers to arbitrate their suits against the company. Plaintiffs Jose Robles Christopher Rymel and David Hagen sued Savemart alleging various state law statutory employment law claims. Robles alleged he experienced an industrial injury to his thumb and his doctor said he could work with restrictions. But his suit claims he was then demeaned by having to ask permission to use the bathroom and having to wear a degrading safety vest. And when he complained, he was suspended without pay. Rymel alleged he had an industrial injury to his back and claimed he was also ordered to do what he described as degrading work conditions when he returned to work. And the third plaintiff, David Hagans, alleged he suffered retaliation following his reporting of a workplace hazard. Mart filed a motion to compel arbitration as to each plaintiff, which was denied by the trial court. The judge reasoned that the arbitration clause in the collective bargaining agreement did not clearly and unmistakably provide for the arbitration of these types of claims. The Court of Appeal affirmed the trial court and the refusal to compel arbitration in the published case of Rimmel versus Save Mart Supermarkets, Incorporated. Generally, a collective bargaining agreement providing for arbitration of employment grievances does not provide for arbitration of a worker's claims based on violations of state anti-discrimination or retaliation statutes. The parties agreed that the collective bargaining agreement did not explicitly refer to FIHA, the whistleblower statute, and the California workers' compensation laws. Thus, the agreement was silent on the California statutes they claim, save Mark, violated. To be valid, an arbitration agreement must reflect the mutual intention of the parties that disputes between them will be resolved out of court. In doing so, it operates as a waiver of the right to sue for redress of grievances. A party is not generally compelled to arbitrate a claim unless they explicitly agreed to do so, which was not clearly shown in this case. And now our crime report. A 44-year-old San Mateo County Sheriff's Correctional Officer pleaded no contest to misdemeanor, workers' compensation fraud, and was sentenced to 10 days in county jail. Edmundo Roca reported an injury in October of 2016 that he said resulted from defensive tactics training the previous month. Roca was diagnosed with a left shoulder sprain and was provided workers' comp benefits. His doctor ordered him to be on modified duty, but the sheriff's office eventually had him stay out of work on total temporary disability. While on disability, he ran in a Spartan race, and a GoPro camera worn by a fellow sheriff's employee captured Roca navigating obstacles in the course. When he went to see a specialist weeks later, he did not disclose that he was able to participate in this type of race. The sheriff's office eventually reported the case to the district attorney's office. Along with the 10-day jail sentence, he was sentenced to two years of probation and ordered to pay $5,000 in restitution. Roca will surrender to authorities in March to serve the 10-day jail sentence. Roca was on administrative leave from the sheriff's office, and a sheriff's spokesperson would not comment on Roca's current employment status or prospects. Three members of a San Ramon business family have been accused of engaging in money laundering, bribing employees, and insurance fraud, all while their companies were contracting with the U.S. Armed Forces. Wife and husband, 55-year-old Salino Singh and 57-year-old Manginder Paul M.P. Singh, along with their 20-year-old son Kabir Singh, were charged with conspiracy million in money laundering and several counts of workers' comp and insurance fraud. The charges are tied to two San Ramon businesses owned by the family, Bera Infoware and Federal Solutions Group. Prosecutors say that the defendants instructed employees not to report injuries, sometimes giving them bribes as an incentive, all in order to avoid paying an insurance premium. They're also accused of providing false information to their insurance companies. The Contra Costa District Attorney's Office filed 14 felony charges, including enhancements alleging aggravated white-collar crime. And in medical news, maybe it's time to reevaluate medical reserves on open claims. That's because early this month, Johnson & Johnson raised prices on around two dozen of its top-selling prescription drugs. And it joined many other companies that raised prices on hundreds of prescription medicines earlier this January. Most of the J&J increases were between 6 and 7%. The increases came on the same day that Democratic members of Congress introduced proposed legislation, aimed at lowering the cost of prescription drugs for American consumers. Drug makers as a whole kicked off 2019 with price increases on more than 250 prescription medicines by January 2nd. That total has almost doubled now, with pharmaceutical companies hiking prices on nearly 490 drugs by January 10. With pressure from lawmakers and the administration of President Donald Trump intensifying, the pace of drug price increases has been slower than last year, when drug makers rate prices on around 650 drugs over the first 10 days of 2018. The United States, which leaves drug pricing to market competition, has higher prices than in other countries where governments directly or indirectly control costs. That makes it by far the world's most lucrative market for manufacturers. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services has proposed policy changes aimed at lowering drug prices and passing on more of the discounts negotiated by health insurers to patients. Those measures are not expected to provide relief to consumers in the short term, however, and fall short of giving government health agencies direct authority to negotiate or regulate drug prices. Since 2013, the annual Workers' Compensation Benchmarking Study has taken a broad look at the drivers of workers' comp claims outcomes. The 2018 edition features a notable shift in focus, taking a deep dive into the most critical claims outcome drivers identified in past years, medical performance management. Using think tank sessions and focus group research, researchers distilled the input of diverse group of industry executives to compile their ideas on the most promising and realistic medical management strategies. The report suggests that organizations must align their goals around quality and outcomes in order to move what has proved to be a tough-to-budge needle. They identified three core goals shared by industry respondents, investing in health outcomes, encouraging employee engagement and empowerment, and promoting population health and injury prevention. The organizations surveyed are actively employing or evaluating a spectrum of strategies for meeting these goals, from the familiar to what once might have been seen as fringe. Executive surveyed ranked the use of nurse case management as the number one most critical medical management program for impacting claims outcomes, followed by return to work services and nurse triage. Study after study backs up this ranking. A 2016 Helmsman report claimed that nurse-involved claims had 16% lower future medical costs, 15% lower overall costs, and 12% faster claims resolutions. A similar Helmsman study done for a single employer showed nurse-involved claims having 57% fewer disability days, Executive surveyed also report they are leveraging technology to improve communication with both providers and workers. One large employer surveyed is using FaceTime to meet with injured workers and providers and to speed recovery by approving treatment decisions on the spot. The availability of things such as app-based physical therapy and health coaching allows more flexibility for both employers and employees, putting the necessary tools for a positive outcome literally in the hands of the injured worker. Drug marketing costs increased to $20.3 billion. This comes from a new study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association Network. It says that spending on health care advertising in the U.S has almost doubled over the past two decades. Annual healthcare care marketing spend surged from $17.7 billion in 1997 to nearly $30 billion in 2016, driven by a rapid spike in spending on direct-to-consumer advertisements for prescription drugs. Over this period, direct-to-consumer spending climbed from $2.1 billion to $9.6 billion. Pharmaceutical marketing to health professionals accounted for the biggest outlay and climbed from $15.6 billion to $20.3 billion, despite new policies at hospitals and medical schools designed to limit industry influence over prescribing. The industry marketing outliers in the current study matched the roughly $30 billion budget of the National Institutes of Health and far outstripped the budget of about $5 billion for the agency in charge of policing the industry, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. And the study underestimates total spending because researchers lacked data on so-called detailing, or sales calls to clinicians, coupons or rebates, online promotions, and spending on medical meetings and other events. Industry marketing budgets also include numerous other outlays that weren't counted in the study, like the cost of training and salaries for sales reps, marketing research, fees paid to advertising agencies, and lobbying campaigns. Still, the editor-in-chief of the Journal of the American Medical Association says this is the most comprehensive analysis of medical marketing costs in the U.S. that has ever been done. And in regulatory news, the California Department of Insurance issued its first prescription drug cost transparency report, which was required by Senate Bill 17. This year is the first year insurance companies must report prescription drug data to the department under this new law. The Department of Insurance received filings from all insurers that were required to report prescription drug data. The report compiled the information on the 25 most frequently prescribed drugs, the 25 most costly drugs, and the 25 drugs with the highest year-over-year increased spending. This mandated reporting is meant to demonstrate the overall impact of drug costs on health insurance premiums in California and is an important first step toward providing more information for consumers and policymakers regarding the costs of drugs. For the 2017 calendar experience year, total combined annual prescription drug spending, which is insurance payment plus member cost share was more than $1.2 billion. Generic drugs comprised 84% of the prescriptions and 21% of the spending, while specialty drugs comprised only 3% of prescriptions, but cost 52% of spending. The cost of prescription drugs after considering rebates is 13.4% of premiums. The 25 most costly specialty drugs alone accounted for more than a quarter of the total annual spend for all drugs. And hours into his new job, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed an executive order that could dramatically reshape the way prescription drugs are paid for and acquired in California. The order, along with another naming the state's first-ever Surgeon General, marks a fast start for a new governor. Newsom directed state officials to set up what he said would ultimately be the nation's largest single-purchaser system for prescription drugs. Currently, public and private purchasers of prescription drugs for MediCal, which is California's largest purchaser of pharmaceutical services, are fragmented, left to negotiate against drug companies all alone. Governor Newsom claims the executive order will allow all Californians, including private employers, to sit together at the bargaining table across from big drug companies when negotiating prescription drug prices. The order directed California's massive Medicaid system to negotiate prescription drug prices for all of its 13 million recipients changing their benefits from a managed care or HML approach to one that allows the state to handle all the purchases. The state would create a list of drugs to be purchased in bulk or targeted for price negotiations. Newsom has hired numerous health care advocates as aides and is expected to focus heavily on initiatives related to public health and health care as his administration moves forward. The budget proposal will also contain a plan to increase the federal subsidy for participation in Affordable Care Act policies to families of four, making as much as $150,000, and to reinstate the mandate requiring people to purchase health care. And the WCIRB published the California Terrorism Risk Assessment Report. The WCIRB has released their Workers' Compensation Risk Assessment Study, which was developed in partnership with Risk Management Solutions, Inc., a leading reporter of catastrophe modeling analytics. The task was to determine the proportion of workers' compensation loss payable that is covered by insurers, the U.S. government, and retained by policyholders under the U.S. Terrorism Risk Insurance Program Reauthorization Act for 2019. The act is also known as TRIPRA. The study is based on data provided by the WCIRB and compiled using RMS Terrorism Exposure Assessment Models. Terrorism risk is very concentrated in nature and often very significantly over small geographical areas. Based on an attack, Catalog drawing from approximately 60,000 terrorism events. RMS analysis suggests that there is a 9.5% probability of triggering the TRIPRA program. This should not be interpreted, however, as a 1 in 10 chance of a terrorist attack. Instead, it indicates that the methodology used to generate the exceedance probability curve considers events which are very severe but unlikely due to pervasive counter-security measures. Without TRIPRA, the estimated average annual loss is $27.9 million. With TRIPRA, The estimated average annual loss retained by WCIRB member insurers is $21 million. Exposure is highest in the Los Angeles, Long Beach, Anaheim metropolitan statistical area, followed by the San Francisco, Oakland, Hayward, and the San Jose, Sunnyvale, Santa Clara metropolitan statistical areas. Together, these three metropolitan areas make up about 63% of WCIRB's exposure. Terrorism is an urban risk, predominantly in areas where there are large concentrations of people and business activity. Although Los Angeles has the highest overall exposure, the largest concentration of exposure for a 400-meter radius, lies in the main central business district in San Francisco. This is also known as the financial district. And in his last few days in office, Governor Brown made numerous appointments to various administrative positions, some of which pertain to the workers' comp industry. 48-year-old Craig L. Sellings has been appointed to the California Workers' Compensation Appeals Board. Snellings has been house counsel for Farmers Insurance since 2014. He was a workers' compensation insurance defense attorney at Shaw, Jacobs, Meyer, Crane, and Claffey, and at Mullen and Flippi, and also at Adelson, Teston, Brundo, Novell, and Jimenez. Snellings also served as staff counsel at the State Compensation Insurance Fund. He earned his law degree from the University of California, Los Angeles School of Law. Also, Christine Baker has been appointed to the Fraud Assessment Commission. She was the director of the Department of Industrial Relations from 2012 to 2018 and was also chief deputy director of that department from 2011 to 2012. Also, Sean McNally, Christine Buma, Doug Block, have been reappointed to the Commission on Health and Safety and Workers' Compensation. And that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And we also publish a daily flash briefing on the Amazon Alexa Echo platform. Search for Workers' Compensation News on the Amazon website. Again, I'm Renee Fols with Lloyd skarin Minukian langaman Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.